gentlemen, to Season 4, Episode 12 of Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm Mitch Vosberg. Joining for me today, I'm sorry, it's not Mr. Christian Boer. He is out with migraines, so we're giving him a giving him a rest day today. So, big in the hot tag in is the former host of this show, and also senior life sports editor, Austin Chastain. Austin, welcome for a quick 7 on Monday. I'm so glad you're able to hop off the bench. How are we feeling? Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Thank you for, for calling me calling my number off the bench. I, I appreciate it. Um, great to be back on the show. Like Mitch said, I hosted uh, on Sportsmanlike Conduct uh, kind of the last time it was around. Uh, what was it? 2019, I guess. Um, but yeah, happy to be back to the, on the uh, Pro Sports Show where we talk and you listen. Absolutely. Can't wait. I'm really glad you have, have you here on today. I was I was so close to ready to go solo, but I realized just me alone is not that fun. I mean, I would I would listen, but... That's one. <laughs> there's your one listen. Hey? That's I mean, one. It's I mean, here. it is what it is, right? <laughs> it is what it is. So, out of the gate here, um, Final Four. So, we're talking here on Monday, uh, Final Four. Uh, first matchup, Baylor and Houston. Um, not much of a game. Not much to talk about. However, the other game... Holy smokes! I picked a really bad day to take the Houston plus points and Gonzaga plus minus eleven and a half. Um, yeah. What were, what were you over? First of all, I'll admit I was doing working some other side jobs, making a lot of money, so I was not able to watch that game, unfortunately. But I imagine you watched it. So Austin, talk to me about that game. I mean, I saw I saw highlights of the final ending, but. Just that game with Gonzaga and UCLA, what are your overall takeaways? Well, I mean, the highlight, obviously, the ending, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, you know, I was I was actually back at home uh, for Easter with my family, and I was sitting there playing cards with my parents, and I started watching, and I said, said to my mom, this is how this game is going to go. This is exactly how I envisioned it. Gonzaga was going to kind of roll over. UCLA wasn't going to be a particularly close game. And then, I, then about five minutes later, I said, UCLA is about to win this game, aren't they? Okay, cool. Um, and then there was a point, I think it was in the beginning of the second half. I mean, this game was back and forth, back and forth. My goodness. That was, I mean, just the first half was one of the best basketball games. I think of this year, of this tournament, probably in the last five years, I would have to guess. So the first half was fantastic. Second half was even better. I mean, Gonzaga went up by a bunch. UCLA stormed back. And then you go to overtime. And there was a point in the second half where I said, you know, this is going to be really unfortunate because UCLA is going to come out and not shoot very well. You're going to go cold. Gonzaga is going to pull away and go to the championship game. No, not even close. Not even close. UCLA and, and honestly, you know, I've... You know, I, I didn't I didn't throw uh, any action at that game, but I would not have gone. Actually, maybe I did. You know what? I did, and I picked UCLA to win. Uh, I think I went with the dogs in, in both that one, both games and went with Houston uh, money line and um, UCLA money lines because I mean that's a huge payout. What? Five bucks for like 138? Why not on FanDuel? Why not? Um, but yeah, um, game goes to overtime. Again, it was just a battle back and forth. I mean, both teams. It, it's one of those those games that you hate to see someone lose it because it was such a good basketball game. And then you have, like I said, the highlight pretty of of the tournament. UCLA scores, tie it up with like three seconds left. 
Kispert gets the ball into to Jalen Suggs, and Suggs from about, what, 36 feet or something like that. Banks it. The dude banks it home. Oh, my gosh. Well, And it was funny, again, because I'm sitting there with my folks, and we're like, the ball goes up, like, oh, it's a second overtime. No! But this game is over. Not a chance. And, um, yeah, just, I mean, what a what a moment. That that shot, oh my gosh! You that, could say you, you could say it was one shining moment. I think it would be fun yes. intended and totally. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We'll get into that in a second, but I think yeah. that will be the one shining moment. I think so too. Uh, two biggest takeaways in that game for me. One, I can't remember his first name. Give me a two cent. I really hope that kid gets a shot in the NBA. He has been just a thorn in team side all tournament. Like first half against Michigan, like there was there was a reason why they were up a half. Why they he gave Michigan so many me fits. And also number two, Jalen Suggs needs to be a Detroit Piston. Enough said. That <laughs> shot he had to win it reminded me so much of what Chauncey Billups said and that's an 04 the buzzer. From near half court from thirty plus feet just drains it and you know, the Pistons I'm hoping they'll have a top three pick, but my guess is once again they could screen and pick seventh for like the thirty fifth straight year. But Jalen Suggs is just a game changer. I would just love to see in a in Pistons jersey. But as we're sitting here about an hour away from tip, Baylor, Gonzaga, who wins? I think Gonzaga. I mean, it's going to be just an – it's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be one of the – I think it's going to be the best game um, of the college basketball season, which obviously you want. And it's going to be hard to top that semifinal. But I think this one um, – you know what? No, this is not. This is gonna be the second best game. That that semifinals is too good. This is gonna be the second best game of the entire tournament, and I think Gonzaga wins a close game. I think the line's at what four and a half right now. Last I saw, that was four and a half. Yeah. So I I I, I think Gonzaga covers, but I think I think Gonzaga wins by five. You know what? I'll go off brand for you here. Um, I have Gonzaga win my bracket and everything. I have for those who are listening. The last episode I mentioned, I was so close to getting the Final Four completely right. Michigan screwed me over a little bit. They're missing all those shots late. Like, they missed, like, their last eight shots on the floor. I was the Final Four totally right. I had Houston beating Baylor. Whatever. That's life. It moves on. My bracket's telling me Gonzaga, but I just had this weird hunch that, like, Baylor's going to pull this out somehow. I just go off brand. It's recording this on the Monday. It's going to happen. It's coming out Thursday, but... We'll see what happens here. I'm excited for it. It'd be a fun game to watch. But since we're on the topic of basketball, uh, on Saturday, kind of a bombshell drop for me. Um, the trailer for Space Jam, A New Legacy, dropped. I've waited for this for a long time. Two and a half minute trailer drop. Austin, I'll look at my thoughts. Austin, what are your thoughts initially first on the new trailer? I, I don't know why we need to remake Space Jam. It was a, it, it was a, a great movie to begin with. Some people, some some people didn't like it. Some people I know were like, Space Jam wasn't that good to begin with. I would disagree with that. The original Space Jam was fantastic. I, I'm just failing to understand what the need for another Space Jam movie is. I get it. It's LeBron. LeBron hasn't beaten the 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 Monstars. It's the Goon Squad this time. I I just I think it'll be a fun movie to watch. It'll kind of bring back the childhood memories. I just don't understand necessarily why we need it. Call me uh, prude. I don't know. <laughs> call, call me whatever you want, but 
Honestly, the answer to your question is one word for it. Money. Yeah. Money. <laughs> I like money. There you go. That's why. Uh, for me, yeah, I was kind of excited. Um, curious to see where the story goes. It looks interesting. Um, the thing for me to take away from this is all these reboots, like, I'm, I can't compare this to the original Space Jam. I'm not going to. It's totally unfair to do it, in my opinion. Because, A, technology's gotten so much better in over 25 years. B, no, B, we will not have a second way to compare LeBron and Michael Jordan, which makes me want to stuff Crayola colored pencils into my eyes repeatedly. Uh, and Wait, which colored pencils? Does it really matter what yes. colored pencils? Yes. <sighs> Fine. Let's go trapezoid. Okay. That's a color. Look it up, people. Trapezoid. Okay. All right. If not trapezoid, I'll go macaroni and cheese. Okay. Okay. Now that's settled. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, you know, I brought it up because that's a, definitely a topic of conversation that people have legitimately had. And again, I just don't get it. They're, I don't, I, whatever. I, I don't, don't either at this point. It is what I don't it is. Care. But, <laughs> hey, you know, I'm excited for it. Drops in July. Of course, I'll, I'll go in theaters and watch it. Uh, but yeah, Space Jam, A New Legacy. If you haven't seen the trailer yet, uh, go to chance to check it out. The end scene with, uh, the grandma from, like, Tweety Bird and Sylvester making a last bucket, like, doing the, like, gymnastics, like, moves on the walker and kicking it in from half court. It's like, that was kind of interesting. You gotta love to see Granny doing a pommel horse that's, um, with her walker. I, I'm, that was pretty badass. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very... I don't know. I think it'll, like I said, I think it'll be fun to watch. And you can't, like you said, you can't compare the old one to the new one. It's a sequel. I mean, you know, it is what it is. But I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. By the way, uh, what in the world would you call that shot? Because you can't call it a granny shot. That's all right, Dagan. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. What would you call that? You'd probably have to. The Looney Tune shot? Yeah. The loony shot. No, uh, maybe not. Maybe not that. Not that. <laughs> it's, it's all good. So, let's move on here. Um, Holiday of Michigan hit on Thursday. Opening day. Obviously, you're, obviously for across 30 MLB teams, except for the Mets and Nationals because of COVID. Nice job, Washington. Uh, baseball's back. Um, honestly, I know you're a big Cubs fan. I lean more toward the Tigers side, but where are you kind of your biggest... Biggest takeaways in the opening weekend here? Um, well, like you said, big Cubs guy. Um, Cubs went 2-1 and one in the opening weekend. Happy to see that. Um, and, I mean, actually, the Tigers went 2-1 and one in the opening weekend as well. There was a lot that went right, I think. Um, you know, a lot that went well. It was great to see fans back in the stands. But, yeah, I think there was a, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff that went around um, went around Major League Baseball. Obviously, the two, the two teams that are on pause – you don't like to see that, but it, you know it is what it is. Um, it's fine, I guess. Um, but it's definitely it was definitely fun to see baseball back and see people excited about about baseball being back. That was a lot of fun. I absolutely agree with you. Baseball being back. Before I go too deep, I will say this: you cannot win a division, a pennant, a World Series in April. But you can sure as hell lose it in the Boston Red Sox. Like, they, like they're about to lose it in April. Holy smokes. I just, it's it's weird to see now. This is the third team we've seen Dave Dombrowski had his hands on. And about four, three, four years removed from really funny contending from contending. 
they're just falling off the face of the earth and just need to hit the reset switch. Yeah. Like, it's kind of terrifying to see we were talking about Boston now. It's for as competitive as they've been since, gosh, as you and I have watched baseball since, honestly, the early 2000s where they brought in guys like Manny Ramirez, Pedro Martinez, nearly damn near brought in A-Rod. Like, they've been contending, been big players for so long, and now we're talking about them like, oh, boy, this is this could be a rough season. But... Yeah, I mean, it it's just wild that you bring in a guy like Dombrowski and you ha- and I'm think I'm just thinking about the Tigers in, you know, the late 2000s, early 2010s or whatever. Mid 2010s. Um you know, there's a lot of hype, a lot of great great pieces of to to bring to bring in and and to bring the hype. I'm going to start crying. Keep going. Yeah, and and then it the hurts. hype goes away somehow. I I cannot explain it. I do not understand it. But somehow, some way, with any Dave Dombrowski team, the, the hype just goes. I mean, the hype's still there, but the players, like the just the not the players. You don't want to blame the players, but yeah, they're professional athletes. Screw it. If, yeah, the players just don't don't bring the energy, and they don't they don't live up to the hype. And I don't understand it. He did that in Detroit. He did that with Boston. I don't get it. Marlins too in '03. He built that team and then left for Detroit, and then there you, go. you know the this foundation crumbles. It's weird. It's like I feel like he puts like so much weight on the organization that eventually he starts selling off these farm pieces, and eventually the organization like crumbles beneath itself, and then new guys come in with like a wrecker, and they just build the whole thing up again. Which hey, good luck Phillies fans, we got faith in you. <laughs> oh boy, hey, you got Harper at least, or you have one All Star quality player. But I will say too though, um, Tigers can Tigers can impress me. I'm not sold on them being. <laughs> Big contenders, not at all, not yet, especially after today's 15-6 ass-whooping from the Twins. But I feel there's something to be excited about this season, at least. Like, you know, uh, lost train of thought for a second. Matt Boyd looked real good. Yeah, he did. Scooball looked solid. Akil Badu, the first pitch he sees goes oppo taco. And then again, today goes opposite say, field again with a grand slam. I was going to say, he did it again. He damn near put it in. I think there's a little thing with the little Caesars guy. Little Caesars guy, there was a little hole. He damn near put it in that. I know. It's it, weird. It, it looked like the same exact spot that he hit his first jack with. Or first jack two, excuse me. In the dude oh my gosh, he's he's gonna be electric. I'm I'm really excited to see what he's gonna bring to to this team. Oh my oh man. That's gonna be exciting. That's it's, good, sure. it's crazy to see a guy that couldn't get past like high A ball in the twin system. Come in in two games, do what he has done. It's just awesome to see. One two those, home runs, six RBIs. Like, and one of those games is against the Twins. <laughs> I know it's it's freaking awesome. That's hilarious. But we're talking about this. I'm gonna we're gonna transition here. I'm gonna go into Mitch's corner real quick about opening day. So, Detroit Tiger baseball in my family is almost I want to say I'm. It's kind of not the best way to put it, but it's kind of like a third religion. Obviously, Christian. Obviously, my family's Methodist, but also our second religion is Euchre, so I'll take that as you will. But also, like we live and live and breathe by the the Detroit Tigers, and you know, nineteen was what it was, eighteen was what it was, seventeen was the beginning of the. Oh my goodness, this is gonna freaking hurt. But it was weird last year opening day because obviously we got it, but it just seemed weird getting that in July. So, uh, just seeing opening day this season, just 
Kind of brought the same reaction to me when the, the Wings started the season this year. Like, a lot of emotions. Not gonna lie, I got misty yet. I was tearing up a little bit. Like, it was just awesome to see Tiger Baseball back, get fans back in Comerica Park. It was awesome. It's something I think I think we all took for granted for a while. I think last year kind of proved, like, these kind of days just aren't, you know, guaranteed. Which is, you know, awesome to think about. But it's like, man, I'm just glad we got this back. Like, you know, it's a holiday in Michigan. Tiger Star Baseball, you know, okay. Get your Coney Dogs. Get your Burger Made Chips. You be, you be, you you be drinking A, Verner's, or B, Rack and Rye. And you better be ready to go. Yeah. It was a great day. It's a great Thursday. The sun was shining. Uh, snow was flying in Detroit, which that was just the most <laughs> Michigan thing ever. But then... Cabrera's two-run shot, which he thought was a double and so in a second. Just hilariousness. Like, for a guy who's done that much in Detroit throughout his career, to have a moment like that, to hopefully signify the fact that he's kind of back to where his career should be finally, after years of injuries and personal issues, including his home country kind of having some major political issues I'm not kidding to, because this is sports talk, not political talk. But... It's awesome to see that moment, and then Tops made baseball cards for of that hit, and obviously I bought one because I'm a simp for anything sports. <laughs> sports memorabilia, lady, trust me. Especially you, Detroit. Trust me, I mean, you, I was still looking around my apartment. You see that Federoff little poster I got from the Joe. You got that little plaque with with the Eisner Federoff and the Miguel Cabrera triple crown plaque. I got the. Ben Wallace, Virgo Milchick, Bob, as I mentioned last week. I got the Tigers all time greats thing. My roommates got the sign Kenny Galladay. Um, photo, and then we also got a Kevin Ritz signed photo. Who's Kevin Ritz? Look it up. I can't explain too much. It was go too long, but yeah, yeah, was, was sports is massive here. I was oh, and and oh yeah, and of and course your Red Wings pillow pet. Don't forget that. But no, I was waiting for you to mention the bobblehead again. If that's not simping for Detroit sports, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's Darko, man. Come on. But you know what? I'm well, okay. We're getting off track. But I'll mention this too, and then I'll wrap up Mitch's corner. That's a perfect symbol because it's Ben Wallace on the basketball in one hand and Darko Milicic looking like he's really good at passing the other. It just reminds you that, you know, it, it doesn't matter where you find, find you know, talent. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter, like, where you come from. You can be productive no matter what. Like, Darko, second overall pick, flopped. I talked about the last week in extensive on the, you know, on the disastrous drafting of Detroit sports, which made, which that, that, that make you want to, like, do a shot or five, like, get back to me. But, yeah, I'll undrafted a guy from Virginia Union, like Ben Wallace, who basically played tough defense and embodied what Detroit sports was. Yeah. To me, it just is, well, A, I think it's flippin' sweet. Like, B, it kind of reminds you that it doesn't matter what your journey is, just bring in the work ethic and you're in. So, that's been Mitch's corner. Austin, we're going to fill in Chris's corner with Austin's corner. What do you got for us to speak here, bud? Yeah, um, I'm 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 gonna go a similar route. Um, not with the something for Detroit sports, but with this national championship game on Monday night, it kind of brings to a close. And I'm gonna put it in quotes: the pandemic season of basketball. Again, it this NCAA tournament has been like like Mitch said about opening day. It's something that we didn't have last year. And we didn't even have an NCAA tournament last year. We had opening day for the Tigers and, and for, for me personally, for the Cubs. But we didn't, we didn't have an NCAA tournament. We, I mean, we barely had a conference tournament, right? So the, this whole NCAA tournament has just been 
rewarding in a way. Um, I, I know a lot of people would disagree, like, oh, they shouldn't be playing, whatever. But this whole tournament has been very rewarding for the players, for the coaches, for the fans. And I think that's going to it's gonna culminate with this championship game. And there should be just so much excitement. Again, you know, I'm going to steal Mitch's kind of theme here. College sports in, in my family, that's our, that's our religion. And you know me personally, I'm a big Florida football fan because my mom went there. So I've grown up orange and blue, everything. Getting to watch Gator football this year was special. Getting to watch um, just college football in general was special. And then we moved to the basketball season. Florida wasn't particularly great. They were good. They were not great this year in men's basketball. Um, but just having the, a normal kind of rotation of the season. I mean, college baseball's already started up. And softball, it's been great to see. Um, but I think on, on, with this championship game, fans and coaches and the players should reflect on the past year and say, we, we made it back. We made it. Like, we have done everything that we needed to to get back to this spot. And we should be pretty damn proud of ourselves. And for the fans... We too have done what we need to do to get where to get where we need to be, so we can watch basketball again. So we can watch, so the the Rangers can fill up Globe Life Park, forty five thousand fans. How I mean, whatever. I think that's great. Whatever we have done a lot, made you know, done some, done some. We've made our sacrifices. We've quarantined. We've done what we needed to do to get to this point. We should be pretty damn proud of ourselves. I think. That's me giving myself a pat on the back. And I'm, there's my pat on the back. I, I think it's pretty, I know it's pretty short, but I think that's going to be it for Austin's Corner. I think that's a good one. So, the corners are done. Let's play a little game here. Oh, God. Play a little game. NFL rumors. We're going to buy ourselves. So, I'm going to throw in six possibilities. You're going to tell me you're going to either buy into it or sell it, and just explain to me why you feel that way. Then I'll also get my answer. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Yep. First things first. With the third overall pick, the San Francisco 49ers will select Mac Jones over Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And potentially Zach Wilson, but I think Wilson's lacking too. Yeah, I think, no, I'm selling that. Justin Fields is too good, man. I mean, there's an argument for him to go number one. I don't think he will. Um, I don't know if that's a... Rumor for later, but no, I'm selling that. I'm buying it. Here's the thing: I think with the I think the fact that Fields' work ethic even got brought up as a possible issue in the first place this past week. That's the first quarterback we talked about that issue, isn't it? Ever. Never never came up with Mac Jones. Never even got rumor flowing around with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, or Trey Lance. But it got thrown around with Justin Fields. And by the way, the only people that defended him so far have been people from the university and people that are close to him. Do you really think they're not going to defend Justin Fields? I mean, and look, look, let's be honest, too. Why do you think he left Georgia? Why do you think he couldn't win that job over Jake Fromm? You think Fromm probably had a better work ethic? Probably. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. There you go. Okay. So for me, yeah, I buy Mac Jones at three just for that, and also I feel okay. he's he's athletic enough. He's 
I keep saying this. The way Steve Sarkeesian used them last year at RPOs, I feel can transition super amazingly well into what Cal Shanahan wants to do. Obviously, obviously Jimmy G gets one here to prove himself. Well, we'll have our first big quarterback controversy probably since Phil Rivers and Drew Brees in 04, yeah. which is going to be fun to watch. Holy smokes, it's going to be great to see. But that's the first one. Yep. Number two, the first five picks in the NFL draft will all be quarterbacks. Oh, God. See, I don't – I got to be honest with you. I don't know enough about the draft class. I'll buy it. Why not? I, I think I, – I know. like I said, I know I don't know a ton about the class. I know enough that the quarterbacks are electric. So I, th- I, think, I think you'll see – I think you'll see five quarterbacks, those five picks. I'm personally going to say sell. Uh, I think for that to happen – I don't think I, – I keep saying this over and over. I don't think Atlanta's taking a quarterback. If anything, we'll trade down with anybody but Carolina, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. So, for me, for them, it's Cal Pitts, maybe Panay Sewell, or you trade down. Hey, I'm cool with Kyle Pitts. <laughs> See him in Honolulu Blue? I mean, it's a different blue, but he's not too far away. I mean, I'm, I'm all about it. And if I'm at Cincy, I feel it's Jamari Chase or it's Panay Sewell. They need either someone to black the blind side – or get a weapon that Joe Burrow is comfortable with to go with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, which would be just absolutely terrifying. True. But I feel the price to move up. Some teams are desperate for quarterbacks. I don't think they'll do it. So I think for me, I'm selling that rumor. Number three, you mentioned your Gators. There's a rumor going around saying that Sean Payton and the Saints have started to fall in love with one quarterback. Kyle Trask. Buy or sell. Oh. Didn't they just extend Jameis? And Taysom Hill and to a Taysom massive Hill. deal that's actually money wise will have to pay off in the end, but right. You know, the last Florida quarterback to go to the Saints didn't pan out very well. Danny Werfel, <laughs> Heisman winner, had a very mediocre NFL career. Uh, I man, I I like watching Kyle Trask play, man. But I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna sell it. I I I feel like I feel like they're gonna want to stick. The Saints are gonna want to stick with with Taysom and and Jameis. Why I couldn't tell you. I think Trask would do be a little bit better. His mobility, if I my mind is in the right spot, that's my one question. It, I mean. He he runs a lot like Tebow. I mean that that's my thing. Trask plays a lot like Tebow, and, and Winston and 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 Hill are com- like combined are just like Tim Tebow. They can they can throw the ball downfield. They can, I guess, in college, and they can run over people, right? That combination. Trask, I think, can do a little bit of both. I think he'd be a good fit, but for some something's telling me to sell it. I don't want to come out here and sound like a. a an idiot. <laughs> I'm about to go sell it. I'm selling it too, mainly because there's a lot of high-quality players there, like Ryan Remchak and Marshawn Lattimore, a couple guys who I'm forgetting, that are going to need new contracts. And I think now they might be right around the salary cap because they started the offseason about 90 mil over. Like, they're going to have some guys re-sign and someone's going to get cut loose. you got to find a way to fill that void this season in the draft and next season in the draft, and hopefully you can stay strong. Hopefully. But... 
I think if Trask got a year, cool, it'd be awesome. But if you end up taking some Hill and Jameis Winston back already, there's no reason to have three quarterbacks in the room that you feel could start. Because, like, listen, you have one quarterback, great. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. If you have three quarterbacks, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> yeah. There's no need for Unless that. somehow you actually give Trask the red shirt, you're like the Packers to Jordan Love. Yeah. But even then, I don't see it in the first round. Maybe second round with somebody. True, but, but yeah, I don't want if to... If I go that route, I would trade down with someone that's in the top ten in the second round. Right. Maybe with Detroit, they trade back, trade down from seven. Then Detroit takes one second, so goes back up to 28. And then late early second, give another pick or two, maybe. But not in the first round. That was in the draft. Yeah. Number four. We mentioned that, you know, top three picks would be quarterbacks. Atlanta, no, but... If quarterback goes at five, it's got to be traded, right? They got to trade the pick down because there's no way you're going to quarterback or taking Burrow. Buy or sell, Denver would be one of the teams that trades for the trades up to take a quarterback. Oh, that quarterback situation is pretty abysmal. I'll be honest. When you have Jeff Driscoll, another former Gator, um, starting for you at one point, Drew Locke also, and then you end up having a, a freaking. Um, Oh God! Was he practice squad guy? Yeah, yeah. They need a quarterback. I'm I'm selling it personally. Here's where I say. Here's where I say sell. Let's go back to 2019 class, okay? The first three, first top three quarterbacks. Do you remember who they were? Drew Lock went second round. You remember the other two that went in the first round? I can't. Number so, Daniel Jones went six. 15, Dwayne Haskins. Oh. If Washington could redo it just off what we know now, because, look, Drew Locke missed a month in the season because Pittsburgh just destroyed his shoulder. A lot of his weapons, no offense in his third year now. Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler will be in their second year. Corton Sutton missed all season. O-line was just funny figuring himself out. Melvin Gordon, Phil Lindsay couldn't stay healthy all year. How exactly is that Drew Locke's fault? How's he had a chance to prove himself so far? Yeah, he did play a full season because he started last five, did well. Okay, iffy, a lot of injuries, mounted up. Boom, gets hurt, misses five weeks, whatever. Then all of a sudden you have to have freaking Kendall Hinton start a game, though two passes, which is absolutely brutal. Look, lacking into one more year. You have so many needs on defense at nine that you could fill. Obviously guys like Patrick Sertain is going to be on the board. Micah Parsons is going to be on the board. Your first dibs at the pass rush you want. Maybe a guy like Greg Rousseau or Quiddy Pay. You know, there's a lot of ways you can go on defense or O-line out of the gate. You give Locke one more year because based on arm talent, you look like a 19 class. The only quarterback you can argue was Daniel Jones. Just pure talent where they're at now. Because I guarantee you if Washington could redo it, they'd probably go Locke over Haskins. And if you think I'm wrong... Go ahead. Hit me up at, at Real Mitch Vberg. Hit ahead of my DMs and tell me how I'm wrong, how Washington screwed up taking Haskins over Drew Locke. Look, I get it. Locke, not a great quarterback yet, right? Can of an arm. We'll see what happens. Give him one more year. If not, so be it. The way your defense or roster is shaped up right now, I don't think you can afford that all the draft capital to go move, to talk to since you're Atlanta, move up four or five spots, and give the price tag that you think that's going to have to cost. Because I guarantee it's going to be a first. Second, probably a future first. Maybe if they if you've got the Denver's really held by the balls here, might have to take three first, potentially get up there. Yeah. Which to me, like in a team where they're at right now, like 
hey, if Kansas City's old line's not great, the Chargers kind of struggle a bit, and Gruden keeps being Gruden in that division. I keep saying they're the cards for a wild card spot, and I keep believing that. So I sell that. But the last one, Russell Wilson will be traded by the end of the draft. I'm surprised he hasn't been yet. Really? Yeah. I. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of hype about it, what, just a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to sell it. I don't think the Seahawks have the balls to do it. it I mean, now, if he requests a trade, that's, that's a different thing. But if, you know, if it's a purely a business, like a, football, like a team decision, I don't think the Seahawks have the balls to do it. I mean, I heard there was a lot of talk about Wilson going to the Bears. What are, you, what are you going to get for him? Well, the Bears offered three firsts, a third, and two starters. And they turned down. Oh, I'll see. There you go. But, I mean, but, but that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, well, whatever. Ne- never mind. <laughs> but, but seriously, though, I mean, I, you're going to have to get the house. and I mean, that sounds like the house from the Bears, but it sounds like you need a little bit more than the house. You need the house and, and probably, you know, a nice little pool barn. Um and a couple of million, and maybe possibly a few mail order brides, but whatever. Yeah, and you know, a couple acres of land, you're gonna need that. I, I don't, I don't see any team offering them the Seahawks enough, and I don't see the Seahawks having the balls to say, eh, we're gonna settle just a little bit, just a little bit." So no, I'm selling it. I'm also gonna sell, but would it be surprised if it happened? No, I think the Bears offering what they did. Does not surprise me based off how desperate they are because Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, if this, this doesn't go this doesn't go well this year, they're out of jobs. I will say though, I think with Russ, personally I feel he's a little overrated. Yes, he was a great deep ball, yes, he's a good leader, yes, he's a good quarterback. But to me, he's not top five. He's not top five quarterback in this league, personally. Ooh. I go my home and in no particular order, because I don't want to piss off a couple fan bases here. I would take Mahomes. I would take Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and because right now, the way he's playing, I'll take Tom Brady over all over Russell Wilson. I think it was five over him. And yet, let's be honest, the reason why Seattle got those Super Bowls, won one and lost one, was that because Russell Wilson was at MVP form, or was it because the Legion of Boom was that damn terrifying? Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. Does that make a good point? And the reason, like, the defense hasn't been the same. And that team hasn't been the same. Like, yeah, Russ, top, he's a top ten quarterback. He's not top five, in my opinion. Great deep ball, very athletic, good weapons. I understand his gripe, not, not great online, not a great run game. Yeah, I totally agree with him on that. But, look, to me, I'm sorry. Yeah, Super Bowl champion. Great guy, great father, great everything. But to me, I'm sorry. He's set's the best quarterback. Now, Seattle turning down that offer. They're not going to move on him unless they get exactly what the hell they want. They won't do it. I mean, apparently one of the starters was Akeem Hicks, which a big guy about 350 pounds and he D-line would have been awesome, but also for what he wants to do, he wants something more athletic. Right. So I'm selling it, but you know what? I'm going to hold that. I'm going to hold the line on that. not going to sell it. I'm not going to buy it. I'm just going to let it ride for now. Oh, God. I'm just going to see what happens. Let it go. 
Well, we gotta buy it or sell it for the sake of the pod now. Come on. All right, fine. I'll sell it for now, but I'm weary about it. I might have, I might, I might feel, I might feel bad about selling it. So. Okay. Okay. Yep. So that was the, uh, that was the uh, NFL buy or sell. We're gonna bring on a new segment. We're gonna do this from now on too. It's not just because they have Austin on the show today. We're gonna do a new segment. It's a what if segment. So, what does this mean? Well, maybe this ever wanted to be what if. So, Austin, you and me. What if we're NHL GMs the year two thousand and one? It's you and me, two teams. Go up fancy draft style. We each get three forwards, two defensemen, and one goalie to build a team around. Walking into the 2001-2002 season. How fun does that sound? That definitely sounds fun. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to do that exactly. But we're going to rotate picks. You, my sir, will have the first pick. So, Austin, your first pick, 2001 NHL draft. In this weird freaking rebuild we have, who do you take at one? Take the man, the myth, the mullet, Yarmir Yager. Explain it a little bit. Get into it. Oh, God. Well, it's just offensive prowess, man. I mean, he's it, he's one of, the, one of the best goal scorers, I think. Um, one of the most underrated best goal scorers of all time, I think. Um, I... I never. I don't think I ever watched him play live, or I guess on TV or anything. But I I watched his highlight reels all the time, and I always loved. I, I'm think I'm thinking in 2021, uh, 2001. I always loved watching him play, so it's gonna be. That's why he's my first pick. All right. So for my first pick, I need to get probably. I feel probably the best player in the draft right now. And he's not a forward because I knew you were gonna go forward your first picks here. And I got some deep sleepers you're not gonna think of. I go defense. I need a goalie. In his prime right now, has about at least 10 years left in his lifespan in the NHL. I will take Martin Brodeur. I knew you were going to do that. I mean, let's face facts. Three-time Stanley Cup champion, multiple-time gold medal winner. Arguably one of, if not the greatest goalies in NHL history. I'll take. I'll make sure my goaltending is set. There's a couple guys that thought about going a goalie, but... Because Yarmir Yager, who also his favorite player to watch growing up was Yarmir Yager. If you if if you know what I mean, great. If not, look it up. It was hilarious in the fight in when you were Boston. I'll take Broder in the back step. So round two, Austin, who are you gonna have with Yarmir Yager? I get to pick again. Wow, yes. I thought you were gonna go first. Nope. From the New Jersey Devils, I will select Peter Sakura. Interesting. He's quick. He can score. He can move the puck. That's it. I don't know. So for me, I got a deep list of forwards here. My list of defensemen are just isn't that deep. So for me, I think it's an easy pick here. I'm surprised you didn't take him. I think defenseman Nicholas Lidstrom for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, need I say more? Uh, again. Arguably one of them, not the greatest defenseman ever played the game. Seven-time Norris Trophy winner. Four-time Stanley Cup champion, including the captain for the last one there. Just a great player, even a better human being. I'll go Nicholas Lindstrom here. So, Austin, third pick. Who do you got? Uh, Ray Bork from the Colorado Avalanche. Ooh, at the very end of his career. Yes. All right. Um, 
I know he only won one Stanley Cup, but just the determination that that guy shows. I mean, I would make him my captain, honestly. Um, he's he's always always showed himself as a leader um, with with his team. So yeah, and like I, and he's got the skill. I mean, obviously that's why he's in the NHL. But I'm, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Ray Bork. So right now you have Yarmir Yager, Peter Sikora, and Ray Bork. Yep. So right now I went Martin Brodeur, Nicholas Lidstrom. I'll go. I'll start. I'll start with the fence here. I'll build from the back and go forward. Um, I'll take one of the biggest, toughest. Hmm. Actually, I'll back that up. I'll take a kid here. Maybe for the Islanders, but Mike Milbury trimmed to Iowa for like no reason. The Alexi Yashin deal. I'll go with a big six foot nine defenseman by the name of Sedano Chara. Ah. Dude's still playing. We're talking here in 2021. The dude's a monster. Stanley Cup champion. Just absolute behemoth. Can you picture him at Lister together keeping the puck out on that for Mike Ambrose there? That would be insane. That about going Chris Prong here. But because of the youth, I'll take Daniel Chara and just a little bit bigger. So who are you going to add to your, your squad there, Austin? All right. You're gonna, you might laugh at me for this one. Um, but I remember playing NHL 2001 the demo okay and it was the New Jersey Devils against the, New, the Dallas Stars of course Stanley Cup final of course right one of my favorite guys to play in that particular matchup was Peter Sikora my second favorite Brian Rafalski I don't Ooh, I actually like that pick not gonna lie I like it obviously ended up playing for the Red Wings did a lot of great things with his career so, to round up my uh, defensive pairing, I'm going to go with Brian Rafalski. All right, so my forwards here. I got Brodeur, Lundstrom, and Shara. I'll take a guy here who had a good NHL career. Never won a cup, although I probably could have had one in 04. If he started coming to his own here in Calgary, give me Jerome Aginla. <laughs> and that's going to be my captain, right? I know I make Lundstrom my captain, but give me a guy who's young. Tough, physical, could get the best probably the best power forward in the league at this time. The best I've common. So give me Jerome Ginla here. So I'll go Broder, Lindstrom, Chara, and Ginla. You sir have Shakora, Yager, you have Ray Bork, you have Robert Balski. You have one forward and one and you need your goalie still. Who do you stuck next, sir? Patrick Watt. Easy. I don't need to defend myself on this one. <sighs> As a Wings fan, I'm going to kick you right in the testicles right now. Hey, I'm a Red Wings fan too, dude. Come on now. <laughs> I know. I, it would hurt. It pains me, but the I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking Patrick Walk from Montreal. I know, he's playing for, I know he was playing for Colorado at this point, but I don't really care. All right. So, for me, I need two more forwards. You mentioned Yager having a good offensive prowess. Probably more underrated. I'd say this guy's also like severely underrated as it get talked enough. I'm talking about a guy who still has the NHL rookie record for goals. I'm talking about a guy who had a illustrious NHL career, over 600 goals. He's top five on goal scoring his career. Has one cup with the Ducks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm taking the finish flash himself, Timu Salani. Good pick. Or as I used to call him when I was younger, Timo Salani. Salami. You did that too? So, yeah. <laughs> that was, that's funny. A fun name, a fun name, a fun name too. And the NHL to make fun of us, Todd Bertuzzi. <laughs> but yeah, so so far I have a Ginla, Solani, 
Let's jump sharp order. Sir, you have Patrick Waugh, Ray Bork, Brandon Falski, Peter Sikora, and Yarmir Yager. Who is your last forward? Another guy that ended his career with the Red Wings that you really wouldn't expect. Mike Madano. I don't blame you there. Back in that back in two thousand one, man. Oh man. If you're building your team around somebody like that, if you're I think I think you'd build your team around any of these guys, but to build your team around a guy like Mike Madano, captain of the Dallas Stars, and the Minnesota North Stars. I point it back at you. They I can't don't. see it, but I am. And you can't see that I'm Pointing at Mitch. He's pointing at me, and I'm, he's, I'm pointing at him. It's like, you know, like, that Spider-Man meme where they're both Spider-Man are like, you, you, you. Anyway. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Mike Madonna as my last pick. So I'm debating between a couple forwards here. I'm going to stick with this youth. I got, again, when I got Solani, but I need someone to distribute the puck, don't I? I need a good centerman. Yes. This kid that boss took in the first round a couple years ago at this point. He's talking 2001. A couple years ago, I took him first overall. It's taken him a while to get going, but he's finally finding a stride. They're gonna deal him a couple years to the Sharks. He's gonna have a really good career there, have a crazy amount of assists. Do you know where I'm going to this yet? Not really. I'll give you well also he's gonna search for a cup with the Leafs right now. Illustrious twenty plus year career. And my family he's known as Bagel Boy for Addy did for Dunkin' Donuts two thousand three. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Thornton. Yep. Former MVP. I'm just picturing a line with Thornton, Solani, and Aginlow together. Then you put Lister Machara in the back end. In the middle of the net, it's Mark Tambro there. Man. I love Christian to death, but I'm really glad to do this with you instead of him because we talked before. I think he was like one at this. He was, he was, I don't think he was even born by the time we're talking about this year at hockey. <laughs> we just, which makes you cry a little bit. Cause of the no. good, cause, because the good, oh my god, I don't think he was. He was not. <gasps> I know. Oh my god. How do you think I feel? <laughs> yeah, so honestly, I, I, I wanna go, I'm going to go 2011, but it would have been too easy going Crosby, Ovechkin. One, two. Oh, easy. Way too easy. Duh. So I had to back it up 20 years. <laughs> so this, is, this has been our what if moment. You have to do some Google searches. You're like, who the hell are these guys? Who's this Sergey Fedorovi? <laughs> Who's this Yaromir ja- Jagger? Jaromir Jagger? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Paul. Paul. Karaiwaye? Oh, Paul Korea. I love him. He was, he was, he was on my fourth floor. We kept going to that him. But yeah, 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 he, yeah, he was on my list too. And, and Boomer, we're just kidding, man. We're, we're just playing around. You, you know we love you. Come on. Now. Oh, yes, of course. So, Austin. Are you ready? What am I ready for? Are you sure? I don't think Are so. Are you positive? Yeah. It's time for time of your favorite segment of the show. It's Ken Christian. Hey! But instead of Christian, it's Austin. Or you can get Chastain Hank. It, it, same syllables. Very similar spelling. I always go first names, bud. Sorry. Okay. It's the rules. I don't make them. Oh, wait. I do. Yeah, <laughs> Shut up. I'm still going Ken Austin Hank. So... Christian's doing pretty well so far, and I'm really, I'm really glad that, you know, he's not here for this one, because this is kind of past his prime, because he wasn't alive in 2001 NHL season. He's not going to be alive for this next topic. We're talking about the movie Space Jam. Oh, God. 
Yeah, give you a heads up on this. You should be ready. Oh. But you're not. I'm definitely not. Oh, shit. All right, question number one. What year was the first Space Jam released? 1998. That's your final answer? No. I need a final answer. Yeah, that's my final answer. Incorrect. 1996. Oh, for one. So, question number two. We all know when Michael Jordan goes to Looney Tune Land for the first time, he's playing golf, right? Yeah. But there's two famous, two famous people he's playing golf with, right? Who's he playing golf with? One, one, an NBA legend. Two, a legendary comedian. Uh, Barkley and Spike Lee. That's your final answer. I think so. That's incorrect. Larry Bird and Bill Murray. Oh, this is going to be brutal. Oh, he already is. So... Question number three. Space Jam debuted a brand new Looney Tune for the movie. Who was that Looney Tune? Wasn't it Lola Bunny? That's your final answer. Yeah. Correct! You get one! Go! All right, you one for three. Here's the bonus one. I'm going to give... No, it's a five... You need five answers. I'll give you a point two for each one you get right, Okay. Obviously, the Monstars stole the player talent for five NBA players, right? Name the five NBA players the Monstars stole talent from. I'll give you eight guesses. Muggsy Boggs, Charles Barkley. Correct and correct. Um. Oh God, I just saw this. <laughs> a, it was a meme. Six guesses to get three players, and I don't think you get all five, honestly. I don't think I will. You should get one more at least. Other two, if you do, I'll buy you a cookie later. Or, yeah, better luck with beer. That's from a, that's from a movie. Anyway. Uh, Larry Bird. Incorrect. That's one strike. Um. Who's big in the 90s? <laughs> oh my god, and I just saw the meme that ESPN put out. Um, uh. You are seriously going to crap your knickerbockers when you miss this one player. Patrick Ewing. Thank you. Correct. One more guess to get to. <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> well, you know, you have one more strike left. Oh, all right. One more, one more strike. He looks defeated, folks. Hmm? He looks defeated. Gary Payton. Incorrect. So the five were, you got Muggsy Bogues. Charles Barkley and Patrick Ewing. The other two were from the Hornets, Larry Johnson, and also the big man, the big goofy blue dude, Sean Bradley. I would not have gotten that in a million years. You could have put a water gun to my face and I wouldn't have gotten it right. <laughs> That's super intimidating. So, question of the week here as you wrap this show up. You're going to like this one. Oh, wait, before I forget. Oh, one second. I forgot to forgot, forgot talk about one thing. That trade that happened today. So oh. this broke today. Totally almost forgot. Almost blanked on entirely. The New York Jets traded Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for a six-round pick in this year's draft, a 2022 second, and a 2022 fourth. 2022 fourth. Austin, initial thoughts on this trade? Eh, <laughs> It's meh. It's meh. 
I mean, you get a lot of draft capital for a good quarterback. Ish. Good ish. I don't know. I, I, I think it's it's not the worst trade. I mean, you, you, now you can go get, you know. Um, Whoever you want, essentially. Yeah. Zach Wilson, right? That's kid from BYU. Yeah, but he's probably, yeah, he's going to the well. The Jets get get Wilson, but right, so you can go get him though. Yeah, I I think I think I I know the kid. I know he he's a great quarterback. I I think I think you can go get him, and then you know, the, whatever. Yeah, I I think it's a, I think it's a good trade. So from Carolina's end, I really I personally feel this trade happened that this. But this for Darnold to Carolina happened because San Francisco jumped to three out of nowhere, and the only team I feel you could realistically try and trade up with and get a quarterback is Atlanta, and there's no chance in hell Atlanta trades down four spots to give Carolina a quarterback. No chance in hell in the division does that happen. So now Carolina gets a twenty-three a twenty-three-year-old quarterback still, who was drafted in eighteen, twenty-three years old still by the way, super young. Hasn't been in the great system, still with mono, injuries, uh, playing for Adam Gase is a big enough issue as it is. He's got a chance to redeem himself. I think Matt Rule can find something good out of him. Uh, if he can find some consistency, I'm excited. Um, now, what Carolina does at 8, it's going to be a weapon that falls. Because obviously uh, Kyle Pitts, Jalen Wild, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Smith. I feel one of them's going to drop. If not, it's going to be Penny Sewell, where they get the first crack at a defensive player, that, whatever defensive player they want. They could go after Michael Parsons now, who's a freakish linebacker. They could add shutdown cornerback and Patrick Sertain. There's not really a D lineman I would take at eight. There's not really a and there's not really safety would take at eight. So it's got to be DB, linebacker, defense, maybe one of those spots. Maybe D and pass rusher if you want to go Rousseau or Quiddy Pay, but I want to take. Pay it eight. We still ain't flick with it, but you know they may trade down. Can we grab kind of more draft capital? We'll see what happens here. But for the Jets, man, this is a guy you traded up for in eighteen to go from six to three. They got Darnold. The Colts at six took Quentin Nelson, who's probably become one of the best offensive linemen in the league. Like they traded down just so they get their hands on Nelson in the right spot. Mm-hmm. And now you trade a player that you traded up to get. Trade you invest the capital to get. You get a sixth this year, a second and fourth next year, for quarterback. You trade up to get a three, and eighteen. Yeah, it's not very good. Man, that's just depressing. It's all get out of here, Jets fan. I'm sorry for that. But hey, they got seven picks in the next in the for two first two rounds in the next next two drafts. They have a lot of draft capital now. They better get this right. They better get it right. They won't, but I know they won't. Yeah. But they better like. And it's right there in front of you. Like, next two drafts, you have seven picks, seven of the top 64 picks. I mean, you got a first, you're going to take Zach Wilson this year. You're going to take someone during the 20s that's going to help. I don't know who that could be yet. We'll see how it goes. But, man, just, it just adds more just to the chaos that is the New York Jets. And yeah. my heart breaks for the Jets fans, man. This is just. Which scares me for Zach Wilson, they're going to screw him up because I watched some tape on him, and man, that kid can play. He can. He's, I think he's something special. But if the Jets don't do this right, 
just another wasted quarterback. And you're back in the same rut you've been in probably since the Joe Namath days. Not going to lie. Yeah, I would agree. I did want to add one thing about um, Darnold. Um, I guess I, I saw this thing on ESPN today that when Matt Rule was asking, you know, asked Darnold to, I mean, it's a job interview, right? Partially, there's a section of the combine that's a job interview. And Rule asked Darnold, you know, we got any questions. And Darnold was asking a lot about the culture and, like, non-football stuff that goes on with the team. Apparently, Rule was really impressed with that. And, and honestly, if you're a fan, you know, you, you, you want to have a guy as your leader of your offense or just the leader of your team that is concerned about the culture of, okay, what do we need to do to either to obviously improve the team's culture, but to get it from, oh, my God, we're a bunch of thugs or whatever. You know, some teams can be seen as that. Can go from being, you know, kind of a, a, a pigsty of, of the league to the class of the league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think there's something to be said for that. I know his on-field talent hasn't been eh, all that great. That's why I went meh with this trade to begin with. But a guy that's concerned about the culture, I think that's big. It is. And honestly, that's where, that's where like, Matt Rule so much. That's where, like, Motor City Dan Campbell so much. He's biting off kneecaps day after day in Detroit. <laughs> you know, it's just, just guys that have come to organizations. Like, look, Carolina's a young organization still. They were founded in, like, 96, 25 years old. Like, right. you know, the Lions... Gosh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure their fans have been drinking for the past 25 years. Like, oh, it's dude. just been rough. Like, Lions, have been, Lions fans have been drinking since the 40s, probably. <laughs> 60s, even won't go really specific. But, there you go. I agree with you, take entirely. Like, culture's big. And, yeah, let's just make or break for Darnold. If not, well, Carolina can hit a quarterback next year. Right. But, all right. So, now we get the question of the week <clears throat> Who's one retired athlete you wish you saw live? In their prime. What do you got? Okay. I will probably need to defend the validity of this particular sport. I know you're going to say, oh my god. The man that everyone feared but everyone loved. The mustache. The glasses. The car. The intimidator. Dale Earnhardt. I totally, I totally thought you were going to say Matt Kenseth. I really thought you were. No, I saw Matt Kenseth in his prime, and he <laughs> was just okay. <laughs> but hey, he won a championship in 2003. That was fantastic. Um, but hey, hey, anyway, the Intimidator. Yeah. Um, seven-time champ. Quite frankly, one of the most badass people you will ever see drive a race car. Um, I, got in, I got into NASCAR so... Just shortly after Bernard died. And looking back on the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, he, he was, I think, well, maybe not the 70s, but he was one of the only drivers that could stand the test of time, I think. With the aggressive style that he would always drive with, when you saw that, that black number three... GM Goodrich Chevrolet, or you know that that was the Intimidator. But you know you saw you see that number three, you you, you might be needing to to change your race suit. Um, 
yeah. within the last five laps of any race, especially a restrictor plate race, Daytona, Talladega, you see that three car, you you know you're not going to win. Yeah. I mean, he won at, at Talladega, I think, 11 times, maybe 10, 10 or 11 times. Uh, you know, he struggled in the Daytona 500, only won it once in 98, but... And he won the, the the Pepsi 400, the night race, quite a few times, I believe. Um, that's why they called him Mr. Restrictor Plate. And he's, you know, he's a short track devil. I mean, he would just beat the crap out of people. Um, hit, he'd hit the quarter panel, knock him away, a little bump and run, go win races. Um, that's how he won seven championships. Right on. So for me, I'm also going to go with... Uh... Interesting, where the people will also question the validity of, but I'm talking about a guy who has had one of the greatest careers of any athlete in any sport, you could argue. One of the greatest winning streaks of any athlete in any career. Also, it's no clue who I'm going with, that's not, I love it. Talk about a man who's damn near seven foot, over 300 pounds, but as athletic as all get out. For nearly, yeah, for almost 30 years, the dude was at the top of his profession. Although, probably toward the end, you could tell that things weren't the best. But for me, I've seen a lot of people in this profession. It's a lot of big names. But I never got to see him. I got that. Well, I, had, I almost saw what would have been his last outing ever. But that changed over time because he came back and won one last goal around and make sure it was right. In 2017, almost did it. For me, it is The Undertaker. I get it, yeah. Now, those don't know me that well, I'm a huge pro wrestling guy. Not. But, just as athletic and as, just, his presence alone, just, when you're at a wrestling event, just watch whatever, like, like, at, there's no, when you talk about wrestling, everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is. Everybody knows who yeah, The Rock brother. is. John Cena. Steve Austin. So close Steve Austin. People know who The Undertaker are, too. Because everyone knows the dead, the dead man, the phenom. The undefeated streak of WrestleMania 21 and all. Incredible. I was supposed to go to WrestleMania 33 for his retirement match, but my funds had to go elsewhere. Tears. Tears. He fought his last match last year against AJ Styles in a bony, in a weird match. That's actually kind of cool send-off. But, yeah, you know, I've seen a lot of professional wrestlers at the top of their game go. I've seen Brock Lesnar perform at Lewis Arena. I've seen John Cena. I've seen Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho. Um... Yeah, I've seen a lot of big names, but the one I wish I would have saw at some point in his career, especially in his prime, was The Undertaker. That's fair. And because, again, a guy who's like 6'10", 330, and one of his signature moves at WrestleMania was just a big leap, big dive off, oh, clearing the top rope. From the standing, just leap over the top rope, and on the floor. The dude wrestled the time, he he thought he called it good, against like his mid-50s, which is just... For a guy, again, 6'10", over 300 pounds, as athletic as he was, one of his go-to moves was called Old School, where he would take an opponent's arm, he'd get on the, the top rope, tight rope, walk on the top rope, come down, elbow the arm. Oh. At 6'10", 330. That's ridiculous. At 50 years old. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like a broken hip wouldn't happen. He, did, he, did, <laughs> he, did, he has had both hips replaced. but True. He actually did that with, uh, with hips that didn't replace for about 10 years. Yeah, the top of Cecil Beast, too. So, for me, athlete, which I saw in his prime, I get it. This is not a sport. It's fake. Well, guess what? So is every single TV show you watch. That's fake, too. Yeah. Your Bachelor, 
you're keeping up with the Kardashians. That's all fake. That's all fake. Wrestling, it, there's, you know, I mean, obviously it is staged, but I mean, there's. It's predetermined, it's but predetermined. there's still there's still an athletic element to it, and it's still a chance like one false move and you break your neck and you die. Exactly, you die. Exactly. But it, so be it. But yep. Yeah, uh, so yeah, that wraps up episode twelve. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we uh, sign off here, Austin, our special guest? Uh, no. Um, I I think the only thing I would add um is just a big thank you again for uh, for having me on. Um, I was I'm glad I was. Able to, to make the drive, I was actually still at home with my parents' uh, my parents' house this morning. Uh, Bailey is not too happy that I had to leave, but he'll get over Bailey's my dog. He's a red lab, but he'll get over it. Um, he, he's, he, he, he was okay. Um, but, yeah, so just again, thanks for, uh, for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, I'm almost, I'm almost glad we were able to fill in off the bench last second. Christian, now you're listening. Can't wait to have him back next week, though, because he lucked out with the Space Jam and the NHL talk. Yeah. You lucked out. Cause thanks that, for that, Boer. You, you, you once again let me get my ass kicked, so thanks. You prick. <laughs> <laughs> That's the inside joke with us, don't worry. We jokely, we jokely call each other, call each other pricks. But, you know, until next time, for our Austin Chastain, filling it by Christian Boer, I'm Mitch Fosberg. We stay clean,